0: Nobody wants to be alone. Even when you are alone, which everybody's going to be alone from time to time. I mean, that's part of life. But everyone, even in those times when you are alone, they want to know that they don't Have to be alone. That there's somebody waiting for you. That there's someone that you can call and uh, talk to if you need to. or, Or there's someone that's thinking about you. Nobody wants to be alone. The disciples certainly didn't. On this night, which would lead to the arrest of Jesus. Our Lord shared with His disciples that He was going to the cross. The time had come for Him to give His life as a sacrifice. And and that did not make any sense to the disciples. They could not discern what in the world Jesus was trying to tell them. And then He told them that it would be one of them that would betray Him, that would bring His arrest to be. And the strongest of the disciples, Peter, the rock, would deny knowing Jesus not once but three times. It was devastating news. But in the midst of all of that, Jesus gave the disciples some promises that carried great hope. And one of those promises is contained in the verses that we're going to look at this morning, verses 16 through 18 here in John chapter 14. It's a promise that was not only for the disciples, it carries through for you right here, right now today. Listen to what Jesus promised you. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. When you know Christ, you are never alone. This is an extraordinary promise. God is with us. Now, there's no question in that horrible night when Jesus was telling his disciples the worst news they could have possibly imagined, that he was going to be crucified as a common criminal, all that was going to occur within just a few short hours, the disciples had to be thinking, so what are we supposed to do now? We've followed you. We left everything for you. We've dedicated our life to you, waiting for the kingdom that you promised. Now what? Their emotions must have run from fear to dread to confusion to anger. How could it be that Jesus would leave them now? And then he makes this promise. I'm not Leaving you. Now, Jesus uses some words that would have had deep meaning for the disciples in this moment. The word for comforter, that word in English has significant meaning for us too, but it was an even stronger word in its original language. It's a word that literally means one who speaks for you or an advocate, one who takes up your cause. He's a a helper, especially in those instances where no one else can help. The word can also mean a convincer or a witness or a spokesman or a teacher or a guide. Or it can even mean a friend. Jesus promises us that he will be in our corner when everyone else has left when everyone else has deserted us, Jesus will still be there. And then he uses another word. In verse 18, it's actually the original word from which we get the English word orphan. Now in biblical times, an orphan would be in a virtually helpless situation Position. There, were, there were no government agencies to, to take care of them. There was no organization that could step in and find them a place to live and food to eat. Without a family in the biblical world, an orphan was completely defenseless. They literally had no one to help them. The disciples probably felt a little bit like that as Jesus spoke to them about how He was going to the cross, how He would die in just a few short hours. What would they do without Him there to take care of them? With all of their pride and all of their arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, they knew how things had worked out when the few times they had set out on their own, that didn't go too well. Jesus here gives a promise that echoes the promise that God gave to Moses and to Joshua. Now, both of those men had their moment when they felt utterly alone. Moses, as he faced this impossible task of leading Israel out of Egypt, Joshua, as he faced the impossible task of leading Israel into the promised land. Now, in both of those moments, God gives them the same promise. To Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then to Joshua, the same promise. Joshua 1, verse 5, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And now Jesus makes that same promise to his disciples. And he makes that same promise to you and me today. Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Now most of us have been on at least one of the sides of this particular equation, if not both. We've been that child after baseball practice, and everyone else's parents have picked them up, but, but our parents have yet to arrive. And the minutes seem to grow into to hours, and we're, we're wondering, did they forget me? Did they leave town? Am I going to have to go join the circus? Or, we've been the parent. Uh, late from a meeting, rushing to pick up a, a child that we know is is waiting for us. Now, neither one of those is a good feeling. We don't want to be the one left and we don't want to be the one who is late. But for most of us, that was a momentary passing thing. In fact, I can remember those times when, when as a child my parents were running late and I knew they hadn't forgotten me. They'd always showed up for, Before. And I had complete confidence they'd be there, and sure enough, they always were. Well, folks, we can not only know that God will be here, we can know that He's here. Always. Even when we don't acknowledge it, even when we may not feel like it, God is here. Always. Always. The book of Hebrews repeats this very same promise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's four times the same promise is repeated in the scripture. That God will never leave us. That he will never forsake us. Why four times? Well, so we won't forget. And not only is God here, He is our counselor, our guide, our comforter, our friend. And that's not taking God lightly. He's still the omnipotent, all-powerful creator of the universe. We don't deserve this, but it's true. God is with us. And we can know Him. Now, it's, it's easy to get confused about the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is a topic that's really tough for us to get our mind around. It is unlike Anything else in the world, which is exactly what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The world won't get this. But we do. The longer we know the Lord, the more extraordinary and wonderful his presence becomes. J.D. Greer has written an excellent study on the Holy Spirit called Jesus Continued. The thesis of that book is built around Jesus' statement that he makes in John chapter 16, verse 7, where he says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Listen to what Jesus says there. He tells his disciples, it's for your good that I'm going away. And the disciples must have been thinking, how can your going away be good? And some of us ask the same question. We ask, how can having the Holy Spirit be better than having the physical presence of Christ? And yet that's exactly what Jesus tells His disciples. He says, if I don't go away, the Counselor can't come. But if I go away, I'll send Him to you. With Jesus there, God was working with the disciples. With the Holy Spirit here, God is working in His disciples and through His disciples. God is working in and through you. It's the difference between two golf games. One where Tom Watson calls me up and asks me if I want to go out and play a round of golf with him. I said, sure, why not? I'll do that. Tom Watson, great professional golfer. He's just got some extraordinary talent. That'd be kind of fun to do that. So I, I go out and I, I play with him. And, and, and Tom Watson gives me a, a few pointers. You know, shows me how to straighten up my swing and how to address the ball and all that stuff that you're, you're supposed to do. And I'm sure he could tell me a lot of things that I'm doing wrong. A multitude of things that I'm doing wrong. And probably he would help improve my game. But what if instead of telling me how to hit the ball, Tom Watson hit the ball for me? Now, honestly, the peak of his golfing career may be a little bit behind him, but Tom Watson still has some serious game. I can guarantee my score would greatly improve if Tom Watson was hitting the ball for me. Improved by probably more than half. (laughs) The disciples had Jesus with them. And that was amazing. They'd learned so much from Him. They, They saw so many extraordinary things that He did. But now, they would have Jesus in them. And so do we. So what does this mean? Well, it's very simple. Jesus told His disciples to take the gospel to the world. Now that was something they could not do. They were twelve virtually uneducated men. They had no tremendous gifts or talents to accomplish this particular task. They didn't have any money. They didn't have a big travel allowance. They didn't have a loudspeaker. They didn't have email. They didn't have a lot of things that they were going to need to take the Gospel around the world. How could they do it? Because Jesus would do it in and through them. What is it that God has called you to do? Has God laid on your heart a friend, coworker, co-worker, somebody in your neighborhood that doesn't know the Savior? That name just keeps popping up in your mind. <laughs> and, and, and you know why it keeps popping up in your mind. Because you know that, that God wants you to go and share with them and tell them about the Savior. And you're thinking, you know, if I do that, that's going to be a disaster. I don't know what to say. And, and, and if I do say something, they're just going to jump right on it and tear it apart shreds. I can't do that. But you are not on your own. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Who is it Christ is calling you to share the message of the Gospel with? <laughs> He's not sending you out there on your own. He's going with you. In fact, more than going with you, He's going in you. He's working Through you. He will be sharing His love and His grace and His power through your words and your deeds. What's God called you to do? To minister to the poor of Springfield. There's a lot of poverty here in Springfield. Past week they had another count of the homeless in Springfield. It's an extraordinary number. A lot of heartache, a lot of hurt. In fact, when you start looking at those numbers and and looking at at the need that is out there, it's overwhelming. And, And you may think, well, what can I do? If God has called you to minister to the poor of Springfield, you're not going to be ministering to them on your own. Jesus is going to be with you. In fact, Jesus is going to be ministering to the poor in and through you. Folks, there is no obstacle, no problem, no weakness that Jesus cannot overcome. What is it that God is calling you to do? You are not alone. Jesus is in you. Heavenly Father, help us to grasp the extraordinary message of this passage of Scripture. We're not alone. We are not by ourselves. And when you call us to share our faith, we don't do that in our own strength. You will be sharing through us. God, when we seek to minister to those who are in need, we will not be reaching out on our own. You will be reaching through us. So, Heavenly Father, help us to realize the extraordinary privilege we have that Your Holy Spirit lives in us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.